0: Welcome to the Rare Hour with Christopher Villona. Please join us as we talk about the rare disease journey. We'll discuss the who, the what, and the why of rare diseases and the special needs community. We'll also reflect on the highs and lows of some of these awful conditions and how they affect us on a daily basis. We welcome you to the Rare Hour. And just know, you're not alone. Many of us out there are struggling just like you. So sit back and listen cry and laugh today on the rare hour with christopher villona hey
1: everybody welcome to the rare hour with christopher villona where we talk about uh, everything in rare disease land as I'd like to call it. And today's guest is Monica Monica Dudley-Weldon and she is the founder of Syngap One and you spell that S-Y-N-G-A-P and the number one foundation. Monica, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you?
2: I'm all right, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to uh, be able to chat it up with you. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy that you're here. I'm surprised that you said yes so quickly. Uh, we have uh, a few experiences in rare disease, and we've actually been in a couple of these uh, other <clears throat> events where uh, we have spoken on our rare disease. Obviously, I speak about Batten disease first and rare disease second. And when you start to tool around uh, this world, we, we find others who we resonate with today. So I'm very happy that you're on the show today, Monica.
2: Well, I, I'm really excited. I, 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 we, we kind of have the same, uh, I should say personality types, <laughs> very, yeah. very, very crisp, clean. You don't even have to guess what we're saying.
1: <laughs> well, I, I, there's no time to bullshit and, right. you know, we just need to get it out. So, uh, yep. I I'm not very warm and fuzzy all the time, but yeah. I do have the ability to pull it back a little bit.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every now, yeah, I gotta put a filter on every now and then.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Monica, so can you can you give our listeners just a little bit of background about uh, who you are and what you're doing today?
2: Well, um, I started the first organization uh, in the world on a gene mutation called SYNGAP1. Uh, My son was the sixth one diagnosed in the world with this uh, gene mutation. At the time, it was not a name disease. Um, and that was seven years ago, a little over seven years ago. Uh, before that, I taught school for 23 years. I taught science, uh, my degrees in biology, and I decided to do something really kind of, well, everybody was like, how in the hell would you ever go back to school again at 51? And in, well, it's been two years, so I don't, that'll give you my age. I went back to, I went to law school. Uh, so I'm earning my master of science law degree uh, with a concentration in health policy uh, and regulation slash legislation. So,
1: yeah. Uh, you, you seem, you seem oh, really not that busy. So I'm glad we have time today. You know, so you're right. So you just said you, uh, I'm trying to fix my headphones here. You were, you were instant messaging me about how you're like in the middle of taking finals and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and for this law degree, correctly. Yes. And yes. what is, what is the actual, are you going to be another lawyer? or Are you going to be a special uh, lawyer? If
2: no. if I if I No, I'm not get, I'm not getting a jurist doctorate because I already okay. decided that if I ever did that, I would be in contempt of court. So many times I would be in jail. <laughs> I would not be able to practice. So I'm yeah. really thrown. Every judge would hate me. <laughs> I already have judges that hate me. <laughs> no, um, well, this uh, this particular degree will give me the experience of knowing the law uh, and uh, being able to bring my grassroots level of science and knowledge of drug development and um, and kind of also, you know the business of running a nonprofit intertwined with like contracts and all that stuff. Uh, I will be considered, uh, I'll, I will acquire my new title, hopefully um, at the end of the summer when I graduate, uh, called an Applied Legal Professional. So I'll be able to do everything an attorney or a JD would do except for litigate and give legal advice. But we are trained to do risk assessment, uh, the risk benefits, um, of whatever concentration you you decide to be in because it's geared towards STEM students. Um, And uh, this way you kind of know the law, you can pay pay attention to the language in which uh, things are written, Um, more around compliance. My focus is drug development, clinical trials, uh, access to care all of those different topics that you would see and run into running a nonprofit that is trying to get a treatment, uh, whether it be rare disease or even a common disease, because the process is still the same. It's just a little bit more difficult with rare disease.
1: <laughs> see. So if I wanted to ask you about the law, you could you could just basically say, no, I can't help you. So what, what the fuck good is it? <laughs> I probably well, need I probably need you in other areas of my life, you, but, uh, you,
2: you give me your you give me you give me your problem your situation. I'll do a lot of research on it and I can write briefs and case reviews. Oh, and I see. Like that. So you're like you're and, like
1: my little research assistant.
2: I could do your your research, your legal research okay. and I could, you know redline everything and tell you gotcha. you really don't want to use that language. Well, okay, you know, language language <laughs> right. we all use our or other and and uh, let me
1: so why why did you want to do this i mean i mean you obviously have your hands full with syngap with your son right mm -hmm, mm -hmm, you talk a little bit about about your son's condition real quick
2: Uh, yeah um well you know he was first diagnosed with global developmental delay i knew something was wrong with him at the age of four kind of fast forward they kept telling me oh he's a boy he'll catch up he'll catch up he'll catch up and i'm like "No, no he's not no he's not no he's not." And went through several um, uh, clinicians, I think, not. well, 19 specialists, I think, by the time he was four. I thought he was having seizures at 14 months and went to a neurologist and he said, you're just a helicopter mom. Uh, but he suffers from three forms of epilepsy, three types of epileps- epilepsy. He's just grown into two in the last two years since uh, um, reaching puberty. He has intellectual disability, has an IQ of about 46, anywhere from 46, Um, I would say semi-verbal. He can say about 500 words, not very clearly. We know what he wants. We we definitely know what Chick-fil-A is. In fact, I probably need to buy stock in (laughs) Chick-fil-A because he has obsessive compulsive disorder
1: wrong chick-fil-a um, give me that. that's my that's know, free plug, you plug like, for you chick-fil-a yeah there you
2: go. i know right i'm a sponsorship please <laughs> um so um yeah he's got sensory processing disorder he's got oppositional defiant um um he has expressive receptive expressive speech language disorder you name it he has it he's got autoimmune uh an autoimmune diagnosis of pandas a lot of people don't know that but it's a it's a response that uh strep uh causes so he's oh my god he's on like eight different maybe eight different medications uh prophylactic antibiotic two seizure medications um he has pronated feet wears leg braces has the typical autistic meltdowns has a diagnosis of autism so you just kind of throw that in, in this in the in the in the, in the bowl in the mix and people want to know why i drink <laughs> so and and yeah 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 you will find me and yes in the bar <laughs> with, uh, with
1: it, it, I, I get it I, you got you got a lot of stuff going on and i understand that uh, i i i thought yeah. sebastian was complex having a misdiagnosis of epilepsy and then you know backed up by batten mm-hmm. disease so uh, I I understand um, the stress and having the multiple disorders in one child. You're not the first woman I've spoken to. There's a another lady in Europe uh, that's uh, runs another great uh, outfit called Rare Revolution Magazine, and uh, she's yeah. uh, she's an amazing uh-huh. woman. She has another child with six or seven. I can't remember, but it's just awful. Even one, even one is too yeah. much. Everybody can say that. So, and 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 so. You're going through trying to finish this, this, uh, this law school and mm-hmm. you touched on how your son is uh, having this rare condition. Is this, is this a fatal condition?
2: Um, as far as we know, uh, it's not. Um, we, ha- we have had a couple of people that have passed away. Uh, we know for sure one was of uh, epilepsy. She was two years old. Uh, but also, she had a Dreve uh, mutation paired with a SynGap mutation, which I couldn't even imagine uh, that that um, that combination, right? Awful, um,
1: absolutely awful.
2: And so, and then there was a 33-year-old, I think, in Australia. I'm um, I'm not sure the cause of death, but but I think. A lot of our kids have swallowing issues. I'm not sure exactly, you know, what it was, if it was directly SYNGAP related. But those are the two two deaths that I know of. We we have older patients. A lot of them are institutionalized um, uh, because, of course, you know, way back when uh, they they didn't even know about it. Uh, But uh, our oldest patient in the UK is 88 years old. Um, and I believe the oldest patient here is 67, I believe, um, uh, recently. So, so we've got a lot of, um, adults now being diagnosed.
1: Wow. Um, That's still awful. I'm sorry to hear yes.
2: that. And how old is your son? He is 13 and a half. He'll be 14 in May. And he is a twin.
1: Oh, we have two children then.
2: I have five.
1: Oh my God. <laughs> you have five kids.
2: Yeah, oh I have three that are adult children. Yeah, I know what causes it. <laughs> what,
1: what's that? What causes it?
2: <laughs> well, I don't know. I've been through <laughs> two, two ex-husbands, so I guess no. I love my children, but uh, but uh, uh, yeah. It, it oh, so was so you have those.
1: five. You have five kids from how many baby daddies? Two.
2: Uh, two. I have two baby daddies. Okay. Yeah. So then
1: you also had told me earlier in this other, this other conference that you were going through a really bad divorce. Is that true? Yes. yes. I'm sorry. That, yeah,
2: it, it is. It, it is final, okay. uh, but it's fr- freshly final, but it went Congrats. on for a yeah. long time yeah. and I'm um, glad it's
0: over.
1: I'm sorry. Um, well, well, and uh, is, uh, is this the, this, <laughs> this current <laughs> divorce, yes. let's not get it confused. <laughs> Is he the father of the child that has been diagnosed?
2: Yes, he is the father of my twins. And um, um, it's kind of crazy because um, uh, I I went through IVF to have my twins because when I was 28, every time I looked at a baby, I was pregnant. (laughs) So I had three kids (laughs) in five years. I was like. Dang. Okay. Started at 23, which actually I had no idea was pregnant at 23. Okay. I was raised in a Baptist, Southern Baptist home, (laughs) went to a Baptist university. My dad was a Baptist deacon. I don't know if that says much, but I hear deacon's daughters are worse than preacher's daughters. I guess that may be true. I don't know, but I ended up having three kids anyway, as I digress. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I had the twins, went through IVF with the twins. I was 39. So I started over, I think it was like a 16 year, 16 year gap between the baby of my first batch of kids. I, I call them batches. And so I guess that's, is that appropriate to say about your children that you had them in batches <laughs> because
1: i yeah. i know it's better than saying like litters like you know if you're a, say, a puppy i
2: have a litter
1: i mean I'm, i mean both are appropriate i mean batches litters children twins you know
2: i don't yeah I, just just the cookie dough was a little bit different stirring that up but anyway.
1: oh my god all right so um you you uh you go through these uh Couple of these marriages, have some really cool mm-hmm. kids, and all of a sudden you're diagnosed with this uh, child who's suffering from sin gap one. What yes. did you do about that? You uh, you started a foundation.
2: Yes, yes, I did. I knew that uh, he was four, um, and I remember the the day that they gave me a, a, the the one paper, one clinical paper that said it uh, causes intellectual disability, and I looked at the geneticist and I was like this is 21st century. We're in modern medicine right now. And they just finished the genome. Why don't you know more? And, um, and he goes, that's all we know. And I just looked at him. I said, well, that's going to change. And he just said, I have no doubt. And that was Dr. Daryl Scott. And he's still at uh, Texas children's genetics and keeps up with me every now and then. And I've got him on speed dial on my phone and kind of keep him posted. And, and that's kind of how it started. I, I think I cried for maybe two days and, and said, I, I, I surfed the net and all I could find was like rabbit antibodies or whatever you call it. I don't know what the, if I can cuss on here, I don't know what the shit it was, (laughs) but it was, I was like, I didn't understand everything that was going on. There was just nothing. Uh, There were, there were maybe three Google pages. That's it. And, um, uh, and I was determined, I, I knew that there was something else. I mean, my son had all these symptoms of everything. And I, I knew that he lacked this protein, 15% of the protein in his brain. Cause it's, it's what they call haplo sufficient, insufficient, I'm sorry, haplo insufficient. And he only has 50% of the protein that SYNGAP1 makes, which is called the SYNGAP protein um, or the SYNGAP gene. And um, he, he was developing at half speed, but I knew it had something to do with protein. And I really just kind of took a risk. And I started the organization and about two years after I started the organization in 2016, after 23 years of teaching, I quit teaching and, you know, didn't, I didn't take a salary, uh, from the organization, maybe three, three and a half years. And then they started paying me $12,000 a year. (laughs) And, uh, then they (laughs) gave me a raise, um, make $30,000 a year right now. (laughs) And, um, I just realized, you know, uh, there was a lot more to all this complicated mess of, you know, I, I, just, I don't know. I, 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 it's hard to fathom. And I started trying to educate myself. I knew the science. I love the science, but, um, it was the compliance. It was the politics of this space, uh, that I hate. I can't stand politics. Uh, and and look at me, I'm, I'm (laughs) working, I'm going to law school to understand them better. But I mean, but also the, 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 just the, the drama politics. I hate it. I don't have time for it. And, um, and politics
1: is, to- uh, politics is in every just yes. avenue you turn. I mean, it's, in, it's in like, from it, like schools to religion, to what oh, you're yeah. eating for dinner. It's yeah. getting ridiculous. So uh,
2: oh, uh, yeah.
1: you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're on a mission to, to find or uh, contribute to a cure to gap one
2: um, well, you know, uh, my, you know, speaking, you know, I've known my research, my the primary researchers. I've been working with the the two of them for almost ten years, and you know, I, I know we all want a cure, and part part of the thing is everything. I probably, I probably, you know, I probably ruffle some feathers, a, a lot of feathers. I, I cinch buttholes up when I say this, but 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 I. I, I realized I had to take off my mom hat for a minute and put on my you know professional CEO and rational brain and really think about what the difference is between a cure and a treatment. Yes. We all want cures, right yes. We all want our children to not suffer what they're they're afflicted with right but in reality um speaking and it sucks i mean reality sucks is that you know reaching a cure to change especially a neurological condition uh is very difficult and yes if it it comes if 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 we reach a cure then oh my god great but what can we do Mm. in the meantime to relieve the suffering as it is now while we are looking for a permanent treatment or cure right. so what can we do i mean what what kind of therapies and what kind of relief can we we give these children whether it be eliminating 100 percent of these of these seizures um, so i've always been told to be um uh man i can't even remember um opt uh cautiously optimistic for a cure because cures mean you're going to fix it and you're going to go take that person to go back to hundred percent, which is what we want. But in reality, if you see the way drug development truly is, I mean, you're talking, you remember Jerry's kids, remember, uh, muscular dystrophy and, yeah. you know, MD, I mean, I, you know, even the kid, Yeah. You know Labor Day that you know you'd go around with a with a coffee can collecting mm-hmm. you know coins for a cure, for for a treatment for these people, and yep. they've been around for fifty years, and there's no cure. Yeah, I mean they have treatments. I but-
1: I, I I share that sentiment. I mean, lately. Lately, not lately, lately, I have been wrapping my head around the, that same conceptualization of like, there will be uh, no cures in my lifetime for what I want. Um, of course, everything else that I'm not affected by, of course, I don't give a shit because I have just tunnel vision <laughs> on fixing Batten disease, of course. But I, 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 I've, I'm I, starting to, to pivot a little bit, you know, with, with my foundation, with Project Sebastian pivoting into rare disease. So I can learn more about, you know, obviously children like you and uh, Effie's children and all these other great kids. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm, and I'm realizing that that the treatments are where we should be focusing um, to have a a, a quality of life that is Mm -hmm. hopefully going to prolong that, that timeline of, you know, maybe we get to a cure, maybe we don't. And I'm starting to wrap my head around about that. Where I, yeah. if we, we could just have some sort of a drug or a treatment that will give our children a little bit easier moments in the day, and that there's mm-hmm. not so much disruption in the family, and that there's mm-hmm. not so much destruction in the body that we cannot, you know, repair it. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. I I I've, I align with you in that. It's like okay,
2: yeah, this is our well, deal, and that's a that's a hard pill to swallow. And I notice even in our own community. The frustrating part for me is I understand how slow science is uh, because that's what I do. I mean, that, that's what I did before. I did, in, I did environmental science and I, I caught myself like right after college working in a, in a lab raising cabbage loopers, you know, the little inchworms, <laughs> testing testing bacillus thuringiensis biological, let's see, biosafe pesticides which I don't understand that because we were supposed to be killing worms. <laughs> That's not really safe. Yeah. But anyway, uh, as I digress, I don't know, oxymoron, I guess. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's a hard pill to swallow, especially the, the families who come in and are newly diagnosed with young children because you, you want to you be empathetic. You know, to, to their, you don't want to crush hope. You don't want to crush hope, right? I, 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 because I believe there is hope.
0: Right.
2: We just need, uh, you know, the question is, is we've got to strategically remove barriers uh, uh, and think about ways to do it inexpensively, smart, uh, stop all this com. I'm gonna say competition bullshit that goes on in the rare disease community it, and and politics and crap that go on because it is just slowing us down. I okay. mean, people can okay. do different things. But so, see now, now I'm getting all heated.
1: Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, hold on. We'll get a fire extinguisher for you in a second. But let me ask you, you, I don't know, what does that mean? Because when you say there's competition within foundation work for, aren't we all trying to get to the same place, Monica? I mean, what does that mean when you say there's like bullshit in politics with foundations? What does that mean? Yeah,
2: absolutely. Uh, um, It happens, I think, almost in every rare disease. Uh, You've got, you know, you've got a small patient population. It's different from these common diseases, right? But everybody has their own ideas of how to get there. Um, I think that's okay, because you have to be diverse. I mean, you, you don't want to be reinventing the wheel. You, you want to, but, but you want to really think about how you're going to move forward. And the problem as I see it, is there are a lot of um, well-intentioned people, but also I think there is a lot. Uh, pe- I think people think they, if they have money, I think they can use the money to get there faster. Which money? Yes, makes things easier. But if you're not moves, uh, using your money in a strategic way on on projects that are going to eliminate some of the barriers in getting there, um, you know. It, it, it just puts things behind. Also, if people are well-intentioned and they don't understand the science and they don't understand business, um, I think I get frustrated because every I think people see nonprofits as not being a business and it is a business. And for any business to work, you need experts and to get experts, you have to pay them um, oh, well, it's not all. I, you
1: know, I, I, well, I have a nonprofit. I don't pay anybody. It's it's. Mm-hmm. I'm a very no, small. I, I have a very small yeah. team, and it's all volunteer based. Even my board members. I mean, it's mm-hmm. very very small. Yeah, but I'm we, the only but, employee. But we are mighty. We are mighty, right. and um, mm-hmm. I don't take a paycheck. I I I don't have that mm-hmm. ability. And, uh, um, but I remember this other lady with you talking about some of the common challenges within the mm-hmm. foundation and what's her name.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, Dawn Ireland. Dawn. <laughs> Dawn Ireland.
1: Yeah, oh my God. Yeah. I was on another zoom call with her in the background. She's uh, fantastic. But mm-hmm. I, I like jumped into this room. I as I was told you, I was creeping from room to room and I jumped on this <laughs> thing and you guys were yelling yelling about the state of affairs of, of foundations. Can you give us an example about what the frustration level is between you and Dawn about other foundations, about what, give us just a basic example as to what really is pissing you guys off.
2: Well, one of the biggest things is that is when you, for instance, I, I was the first organization in the world to drive treatments. And no, I don't know everything. And it took me a long time to learn and take the time. My own money at first, I went through my life savings pretty much, uh, except for my retirement with that anyway, which my ex-husband got part of, but whatever. And, um, <laughs> uh, but I, I think the, the thing is, is the disparagement. I think it's that if someone doesn't agree with you and the way that your direction is, they go and they start another organization. Uh, You know, we talk about, I mean, we're we're so big in, oh, you know, we're a rare disease, we gotta get rid of the silos and then you start another silo and then you're competing and then it causes confusion within the, the very small patient population you have and it just slows things down and then it can get nasty. I mean, Shit, I've been I've been sent a cease and desist, and I don't even know why. You know, I I. Um, you're, saying, because, you're saying that
1: some other organization sent mm-hmm. you a, a cease and desist mm-hmm. for your work in Send Gap One.
2: Uh, yeah, I, I basically, you know, saying that I was saying something, but the evidence would not even hold up in court, which I don't even have time to waste on it, but. It's, but but, it's, but
1: isn't there, isn't there room for everyone, Monica? There I mean,
2: is. Yeah. But,
1: but yeah. you know, because I, I'm, I'm, you're looking at a kid right here, you're watching uh-huh. or you're listening to a kid here <laughs> who, who with his ex-wife, you know, we started to do anything we possibly could mm-hmm. to save our son, Sebastian through, uh, raising awarenesses and stuff like that. And, uh, mm-hmm. Basically, I had uh, Project Sebastian. We were going to cure epilepsy when we first got misdiagnosed, and I had already had a foundation set up with that, with pharmaceutical right. companies attached to it. That's a whole nother mm-hmm. show. But <laughs> when 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 the time came to do something bigger, and when we got the proper diagnosis, we changed case, uh, We changed everything to funding and raising awareness for Baton disease. Asked uh, the ex to join me. She's like, nope, I'm married to an attorney. I'm going to do whatever I want. You do your thing. Leave us alone. And I was like, okay, great. So we had two mm-hmm. two foundations benefiting the same child. And mm-hmm. there was a lot of confusion. And I didn't yes. give a fuck. I didn't care what you thought. <laughs> because at the end of the mm-hmm. day, that child was either going to get treatments or lined up into mm-hmm. a clinical trial. Right. Because mm-hmm. clinical trials cost north of $4 million.
2: Oh, and yeah.
1: we needed to like, you know, do something differently. In the beginning, I was very angry, very resentful. But I realized mm-hmm. that I took the political route. And she took mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. Uh, the very wealthy uh, friends and family route.
0: And mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. to this day, we're no
1: closer. But at the same time, we've created our own awareness. But and everybody knows about Sebastian, which uh-huh. I'm sure, you, mm-hmm. sure you've heard mm-hmm. of him. So mm-hmm.
2: yes. Uh huh. Yeah. Is is that bad? Are
1: you saying, is that bad? Do people get confused about that?
2: I don't think that's bad. I think everybody has their own skill set and they need to use it to move the mission forward. But when you start tearing down and trying to pretty much destroy what somebody else has built, um, that is when it becomes a problem. I mean, that's when researchers leave, Uh, that is when pharmaceutical companies scatter. Um, and that that happens a lot in the rare disease community. Um, and and basically, it, it, what it is, is is when people are bad actors, uh, you know, and there are bad actors in every industry, right? Um, you know, because the community is so small, it's hard to hold people accountable for their behavior and their actions Uh, because they, you know, I mean, they might see them as, oh, well, you know, they're a parent, their kids are suffering too. Yes. But like I say, I mean, like I've said before is, is that, you know, they are probably an asshole before they had a sick kid. So they're an asshole with a sick kid. And (laughs) Oh, (laughs) that's so
1: true. Thank you for that. Thank you.
2: I mean, I mean, it's true. I mean, I mean, and, and then, you know, you're going along doing your own thing and then apparently you're in the way. And then, uh, it's almost like you're not going to do your own work and work to get there. You're going to ride coattails. Uh, and, 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 and I'm like, you know what There, like, you just said, there is enough room to shine your own light and then you'll be brighter right? I mean, but, but when you have someone or an organization and this happens, I'm telling you, this happens a lot. I mean, they're like, I think there's like like 52 and muscular descent. You've got, I mean, you've got multiple organizations and if it's a rare disease, I mean, if you think about it in perspective, that's less than 200,000 people in the United States.
1: Are you saying that this, this is, this is happening to you, Monica, you're, you're personally telling us about your experiences. Okay. Yeah. Is yeah. it because people are trying to get the grant money or they're trying to get the most I don't attention even think to have? It's
2: about mo- I don't think it's about money. And then what, it's, what is it I about then? It, I, I think it becomes a, 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 a it, for some reason it becomes personal. I, I, I and I'm not sure yeah. why. <laughs> I, I, I mean, okay. Maybe. Yeah. I can Ego. be a bitch. I'm an Bide. alpha female. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, are you are you the are you the person that you just described that you were a bitch before you had a child? Yeah,
2: pretty much. Yeah. Or at least, that's, <laughs> at least that's what my ex-husbands would say. Oh well,
1: I understand. <laughs> no, Trust I me. mean, I just you I, and I, are, I, you and I, are in good company then. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, you know, like I like like you said, I have a warm and uh, fuzzy side side, but but when when I when I do business, I mean business, and I don't have time to play. I'm not. I I don't. I don't. Honestly, I don't give a rat's ass what anybody thinks about me. Uh, I, I'm going to speak my voice, and it doesn't make me right all the time because I'm also someone who, who was taught, don't ever try to be the smartest person in the room because you're not. You know what I'm saying? Because that means you're if you, if you think you are, you're not teachable. And coming from a background in education. I have learned from so many people of so many different walks of life. Uh, I think if you have a, a well-rounded education, you could do a lot more with it. And um, I think also, I think I, I, being a female working in a man's world, and I don't mean to sound sad because I love men. I mean, I mean, you know, I, you know. Or that's what they're that's what they say. I'm just kidding. You know, the rumors. No, I'm just kidding. But are, are I mean we, are we really gonna
1: are we really gonna to to go success. there to where you're saying, are you still saying that this is a man's world and you're just visiting in it?
2: <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I, mean, I mean I mean like like are you are know, we, this industry. is twenty
1: twenty two in this industry. Are you I still saying this is a male dominated well, industry? Well, okay, well,
2: well in nonprofits it's mostly female.
1: Right. Run. That's what I was gonna yeah. say. It's I don't know yeah. many male driven except for yeah. you know here I, projects I but... Like
2: like in industry and working in Congress and working with Congress, it's really male dominated, right? I mean Okay,
1: yeah.
2: Does that make sense? I know in nonprofit land it, it is it is like mom central, right? And, and there are you know, and I think I think um, you know, I, I admire men who who step up and and take uh take the take the reins and, and do something because we need more dads to inspire other dads to do the same thing um you know my you know i, I think there's a lot of men who and in my own personal experience uh, they're they're you know they're in denial a little bit uh they're intimidated they they I mean, because it, it is they want to provide, they want the best for their families, but it's coping, you know, it's coping skills, being able to cope, and um, um I guess on that note, i mean i i I just feel that I, I think when you have alphas in the room and uh, you know egos, I think this is a lot a, a lot of you know a lot of uh, things happen because of egos and ego just shows lack of self confidence. Yeah. Um, But also that's how people cope. And so, you know, I try to be cognizant of that, but when it interferes with your daily operations, when it interferes with your reputation uh, when it is malicious, that's when it becomes a problem.
1: So you're you you've gone through all that.
2: Oh yeah. Oh yeah, and,
1: and these are people fighting for the same thing you're fighting for.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Wow, that sucks. You must have pissed a lot of people it, off. It absolutely, it,
2: yeah. <laughs> and I, I, you know, when you, when you, when, and, and when you try to extend olive branches and they slap it down. I mean, what else can you do? I mean, you just have to keep your nose down. You, you just keep your head down, nose to the grindstone, and you keep doing and, and doing, um, uh, doing what you were called to do. And then you have to ignore the, ignore the noise and let your work speak for itself. Um, you know, and I think, you know, it is hard for, it is hard to take the high road, but you have to.
1: Right. No, and and I, in, 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 in summarizing, what is the number one problem in your experience in com- competing foundations, I guess, what is the number one problem and and, and how would you fix it?
2: Lack of communication, lack of openness to communicate, to know where, listen, everybody is in a different place. And if you're in a different place and you have a different direction, I think sometimes you feel like you have to compete with that person to maybe feel like you're doing something, right?
1: Sure. And it, and, and it it should be a collaborative effort.
2: Right. And it should be, but you can't make someone collaborate with you.
1: Have you ever been told to stop what you're doing, Monica, and just let someone else do it and you just join yeah. our team?
2: Um, yeah, I have. In fact, I've I've had uh multiple um well, it's back channeling mostly. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's like, you need to get out of there only because really of how I post on my personal social media. And the fact of the matter is I'll post whatever the hell I want on my, my personal social media because that has nothing to do with the organization or with the mission or with the work that I do and the products and the deliverables that I, uh, that I and my team have worked really hard to do. And I'm thinking to myself, why are you trolling my social media? Shouldn't you be trying to get a treatment? You know, you're wasting time worrying about what I'm doing. Do your own thing, which is fine. They can do their, you know, you do your own thing. But when you interfere with, with what someone else's calling and mission is, that is when it becomes a problem. And it happens a lot in this community. Yeah, I mean, no,
1: I get it. it, 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 is, it. It, it happens it happens to a lot of us personally and professionally and within the foundations of trying to help your 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 son. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, I'm not I'm, I've had it happen to me, and it mm-hmm. sucks. You, you're it trying does. to you're trying to do something, but somebody's either jealous of you or angry with you. and so they just talk a lot of shit, which is you know your yep. reputation and then people don't want to work with you based on some loose
2: crap. Mm-hmm. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, I understand right.
1: that. It sucks because then you're just kind of like, you know, okay, well, uh, right. moving on. <laughs>
2: so. Right, no, I mean, yeah, and that's the reality of it. I mean, you know, and I, I don't hate anyone. That's the thing. I, I, I want those, I want every 100% of every child and adult that has SYNGAP1. To live a better quality of life. And I have a skill set, just like maybe another person has a skill set and is good at doing something, but don't try to kill what someone else is, is doing to try to help. Um, it's wrong. It, it, it's ethically wrong. It's morally wrong. And and um, I think, you know, Dawn and I, you know, we have the that um, that conversation actually we were invited to have that conversation um because it is happening so frequently in 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 the community that no one talks about it and and people need to know what goes on behind the scenes because there's so much misinformation. it's not to take sides either it's not about taking sides it's about let's stop all this bullshit it it is bullshit It's a lot of wasted time. And it's about professionalism. It's you, there is a level of professionalism. If you're going to be running a business, then you need to be professional. I think,
1: Uh, but I'm going to, I'm I'm going to stop you there. I think it's hard in this space to be a hundred percent. Yeah. Business oriented when you don't have experience other than being a parent and you're emotionally right. driven mm-hmm. and you're 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 like, oh my God, oh my god, oh my god, help me, help me, help me. My son's my daughter. We we need help. Mm-hmm. We need money. We're gonna fucking die. And I don't give a fuck who you are, right. or what you're doing, I'm just gonna go right through you. But you're part of this team, and right. there's a lot of people that don't know how to be right. a part of a team. Is, is, is that some of That's the problems?
2: Absolutely. You, you hit the nail on the head because th- that wow. is, it's, it's their coping mechanism. And, and, and you, you want, you want, I can't, I, I've been at this for 10 years. And so, you know, of course, I think the longer you're at it, the easier it is to cope um when when people come new in on the scene maybe they feel like you weren't fast enough their expectations weren't what they thought they were going to be and they can do a better job and that's fine um um but yeah i, I think the emotion is in it i i can't lie that i've been emotional i mean i i been really? emotional <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, okay, so we, we've touched, we've touched base on a couple of really great ideas on what we can do to come together inside foundations and uh, multiple foundations, of course, and like mm-hmm. that we just, mm-hmm. uh, I think, I think what I, I heard best, and we can sum up like this is just to be patient, mm-hmm. be empathetic, but be professional. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I have had to deal with a lot of those internal issues with my own mm-hmm. team where we need to keep the fucking, the, the, the high school crap out. <laughs> yes. And let's look at the focus of the future and everybody will be represented properly, but you really need to come with your, your a game. And, and I, I understand, you know, wearing your heart in your sleeve and all that. It's very important because that's, that's your passion. That's your driving. Mm-hmm. I get it. That's the driver. We don't want the drainer in the room either, where, you know, they're complaining right. about bullshit about it. It's just really non or really like a non-issue. So.
2: Right. So Monica exactly.
1: Monica Dudley well done. Yes. You killed it today. Thank you for joining <laughs> us today on the Rare Hour with Christopher villona I feel as if I I could talk to you for endless hours on these subjects and many more. I uh would love to to get out there and see the great state of Texas never been yet but apparently my uh,
2: It's rodeo uh, time right now.
1: Yeah, I don't know what that means cuz I you know <laughs> just a fucking kid and <laughs> sit in rodeo time what the fuck does that it's, mean
2: hey he's the largest rodeo in the world <laughs> i mean i
1: used to be a bouncer come, at, come at, watch at a,
2: ball riding.
1: yeah i used to be a bouncer at a country bar does that is that the same thing <laughs> that's close yeah i can't stand yeah, the music and i you know the girls are hot that's about it and the guys are real serious
2: have, yeah, <laughs> this fucking I, thing with I don't touch
1: got, the hat it's just got to be i don't know what the fuck's going right, on but.
2: i well yeah you, you you got you got to steam it just right and i got my <laughs> shit, i got my shit kickers and i got oh my God. brain jeans. okay i
1: can't <laughs> i can't deal this i know hey thank you so much everybody for listening to the rare eye with christopher Valona our guest <laughs> uh, the founder of syngap one monica <laughs> dudley weldon it's a pleasure and uh, it was a pleasure look forward to, to, to uh, seeing how, how great your foundation becomes. And hopefully within our lifetime, we have a treatment and a cure.
2: Absolutely. All I right. plan on it.
1: <laughs> okay. Thank you, everybody. Take care. Right,
0: thanks. Thank you for joining us on The Rare Hour with Christopher Velona. We appreciate your listening. If you have a story or want to talk about your journey, please reach out to us at info at projectsebastian.org and put rare hour in the subject line. We hope to have you on the show. You can find us at www.projectsebastian.org, on Facebook at Project Sebastian, on Instagram at Project Sebastian One, and on Twitter at GAGAV Project. Don't forget, you can find us on the Clubhouse app too, Just search rare disease.